0: The Ziggler Show, timeless inspiration from Zig Ziglar, that's influenced over
2: 250 million people worldwide, inspiring true performance in your work and life today.
3: Welcome to episode 325 of The Ziggler Show. I'm your proud host, Kevin Miller, and today we have a new type of show for you, In a recent show, Zig cited a quote by John Johnson that says this, It's the size of your hope that's going to determine how far you'll go in your life. So on the Ziggler Facebook page, which has over 3.5 million likes, I asked the question, What is in the way of your hope? I scoured through scores of comments and culminated 20 replies I felt were heartfelt and relevant. Today, We're going to have a real-world discussion, and I brought the big guns to the table. Headmaster of the Z-Tribe, Tom Ziegler, is coming to us live from the Ziegler headquarters in Plano, Texas. Then, none other than Dan Miller, best-selling author of 48 Days to the Work You Love and No More Dreaded Mondays. He's one of the Earth's most renowned career coaches, and he's my dad. And he's here in the studio with me in Woodland Park, Colorado, 8,500 feet above sea level in the heart of the Rockies and my mom are visiting me and the seven grandchildren I co-created for them with my wife, Terry. It's a virtual Zigtopia of Zig sons, uh, a Zig protege in my dad, and the product of a Zig upbringing in me today. So we're brought to you today by me. Yes, me, Kevin Miller, your host. I'm looking for one unreasonable person to mentor. The next Zigler Legacy certification course is coming up July 13th, and I asked them to make room for another attendee. Why? Because it's fun to push the boundaries and call people to more. You'll spend five days at the Ziegler headquarters with Tom Ziegler and the entire Ziegler team and family to go through the core Ziegler courses, first as a student, then being equipped as a teacher. And culminating with being licensed as a Ziggler trainer and part of the Ziggler team. Seriously, folks, just getting the Ziggler brand behind you is worth the price of admission. Credibility is trust and trust is king. So what I'm looking for is one person who is unreasonable and radical enough to get themselves to Plano, Texas, just outside of Dallas, make a significant financial investment, and be there from july thirteenth through the seventeenth and have their lives turned upside down so that they can turn upside. Other people's lives upside down. For whoever does this, I want to give you one and a half hours of coaching before and after the event, plus unlimited email access to me for the 30 days after the event as well. Why? I want to prep you to get the most out of it. Then afterwards, when you're inspired and motivated but maybe wondering what your first steps are i'm there to help you and set you on your way to viability and success so go now to www.ziglercertified.com ziglercertified.com to get some details If you're truly interested, go there now. And again, the financial investment is possibly what you spend on a car, but your car transports you to locations. This event and certification will transport you to true performance and success in your life and in the lives of others. Uh, Please don't inquire if you don't have some means to invest in your future. But if you are serious, email me then. Go look at it. Check it out. Email me at kmiller at ziggler.com. And again, go check it out, Zigglercertified.com. Be sure you can get to Plano, Texas, July 13th through the 17th, and you have the means to invest in yourself. And then email me, kmiller at ziggler.com. Now, our topic today is what is in the way of your hope? And before we begin addressing the Facebook comments, I want to start in with Tom Ziegler and Dan Miller. Guys, you're not superhuman. There have been times when something's gotten in the way of your hope. You're here now because you overcame it, but I want to start out with the reality of something specific that at some point, truthfully and honestly, got in the way of your hope. Tom, give us an example that happened in your life.
2: Absolutely. Early in my adulthood, just after college, my goal was to be a professional golfer on the PGA Tour, and You know, I'd spent a lot of time in that. That's what I was. You know, most of us at some point in our life, who we are is what we do. And I had an injury and I wasn't making the progress and the injury was severely limiting the amount of progress that I could make. And I went to my instructor at the time, who was uh, Hank Haney, and he was awesome, by the way. And I said, hey, how long before I know? And he kind of looked at me and he said, because he's been rebuilding my swing, he said, three years before you know, three years before you'll know if you're in that position. And of course the other thing that wasn't said was, and that depends on your health, right? And so my hope was from the golf perspective, that was it. So my identity of being a golfer got in the way of my hope. In other words, I wasn't satisfied as an individual of who I was. It was what I was doing, right? Right. And this happens to so many people that we talk to. So I had to step back and start focusing on what I could do. And then I realized it was far more important who I was and then go do what I wanted to do versus doing something that made me who I was. Because what you do can always be taken away from you, but who you are can't.
3: Man, that's a great lead in to some Facebook comments we're going to get into in a second that really hone in on ultimately
1: self image. Okay, well, hey, Dad, tell us. Well, it's interesting, Tom used something related to physical wellness there because that's the one thing that clouds my hope more than anything. It's not circumstances, it's not failures I've had in the past. Those things, I'm always ready to go right out of the gate. But when I'm not feeling really sharp physically, It clouds my thinking like nothing else. Now, I've been blessed with with having really good health for the most part. But back when I was in college, I got mononucleosis, and I got really sick and just couldn't get out of it. And I thought, man, am I ever going to be able to accomplish anything? And in in the recent years, you know, there have been just a couple little incidents. I had a little incident just real recently where I had an accident. I was chasing one of my granddaughters and fell down and face planted. And I thought, golly, I need to protect my health because if I'm feeling really sharp and energetic physically, then there's really nothing that can stop me. And I don't know of anything else that slows me down more than that.
3: Wow, well, again, uh, you guys don't even know some of the questions coming up here, but you just nailed another one that's primary on the list. Well, hey, as I led off with, We posted this question on Facebook, got a lot of responses, and I just picked some groupings that I think everyone listening is going to relate to one or more of them. So I'm going to read through these and pass them on to Dan and Tom, just to give some commentary back, and our point isn 't here to to say uh, to fix everything, give a solution to everything it 's to relate to it, but then talk about it. What are some ways of overcoming getting these things, removing these obstacles that have gotten in the way? of your hope. So here's one. And, uh, folks bear with me as I, we have uh, a global audience here and some of the names are not the most fluently, uh, falling off my tongue. So from, uh, Abhilash Shabha, he says, my past failures come in the way sometimes of my beautiful hope for the future followed right behind with Katharina Santiago problems, she says, and thinking about the past are what get in the way of my hope. And then Amy Andrews says, uh, it's the history that keeps coming to haunt the present uh, and uh, even mentions racism and religious wars and intolerance, but it past past things, past failures that have gotten in the way of her hope. So dad, I'm going to pass this one on to you. Have you had some failures in your past that have haunted uh, your
1: desires for progress and success? Well, I've certainly had some epic failures. You know, sometimes people look at the things I'm doing now and assume that everything has always just been really easy. And that's not true. You know, I've had some monumental failures. But it really isn't those failures that hold me back. It's not the past. It's not what other people think. And for me, it's certainly not You know, what's happening in the economy or who's in the White House politics and all that. We're always going to have other things out there. And I recognize that I have very little control over a lot of those things. But I take a lot of personal responsibility for what I'm doing. So when I've had a failure, I look at the guy in the mirror and say, okay, dude, you probably were the one that got us into this. What are you going to do to get us out? So those things, external things, don't hold me back. It's still... Me looking internally saying, OK, what am I going to do to get us out of this mess that you've created?
2: You know, everybody, when I'm on the road speaking and, and doing our training and we ask questions, you know, the elephant in the room is the baggage that people bring in. And it's usually a fast, a past failure. Right. It's something that they're just latched onto. It's too big to get through the door of hope. Right. I mean, just imagine a suitcase that's wider than the door frame. And you've got to let go of that in order to get through the door. We have a a friend of mine. His name is Michael Mayer. We need to have him on this podcast, Kevin. All right. He has an example. He calls it the spiral staircase to heaven, right? So imagine a plane going in a death spiral down, right? It's going to crash. So he figured, well, if there's a crash spiral, there ought to be a a spiral to heaven. And he calls it the life staircase, L-I-F-E. And each is a step. So the L is a step, I is a step, F is a step, E. And then you repeat, L-I-F-E, L-I-F-E. And what it stands for, this is great for those of us who've had a lot of failure. And believe me, the more things you try, the more failure you're going to have. But here's what it stands for. Learn is the L. we got to learn something new. I is implement, so we implement it. Guess what? Nobody gets it perfect the first time, so F stands for fail. Hmm. And then E stands For examine. What did you learn? And so a failure is only a failure if you didn't learn from it. So if we're going to get to heaven, it's a series of failures and we're constantly stepping up these stairs. Dad said this, your past is important, but not nearly as important as how you see your future. So where is that staircase going to? I think that's what's going to drive you.
1: You know, when I have a failure, sometimes we hear from people who have had a failure and it really kind of causes them to lower the bar for what they're ever going to achieve. They think, well, that failed, so I'm just going to be content with mediocrity. With me, it works the opposite. The bigger the failure, the more I'm energized to get out there and make something happen. The more I'm motivated to get out there and just pull out all the stops and do big things. So for me, it's it's never a matter of, okay, that didn't work, and so I'm not just going to bury my head in the stand and stay down. It's always, what am I going to do to come past where I was before and go on more even than that. So the failures to me are are very motivating. Yeah. What am I going to learn? Look at that. Examine that. What am I going to learn so that I don't repeat those mistakes, but so that I can launch even further up the road to success.
3: All right, folks. Well, I can tell already one, you need to stop what you're doing and sit down and listen to this show. It's probably not going to be short. And I think it's so worthwhile. You probably need to send money to someplace. This can't be free. Uh, well, Hey, that, uh, that's significant guys. Thank you. Uh, Here's, here's our next grouping here. And, um, this one is is a little bit of a, a mixed bag, but I, I clumped them together and Tom, I'm going to ask you to comment on them. So, uh, it's Mac studios, what their Facebook name is. He says, it is the size of your work that is going to determine how far you will go. Hope is an action, no work, no action, no results. All right, so we hear that. Hope is an action. Got that. Courtney Gavin then says, hope is a beggar's word. Well, that's kind of strong there. Hope is a beggar's word. Okay, so and we're taking in all, all context here. Uh, Stephanie Bridgman then says, nothing should be in the way of hope. There are challenges reaching any goal. But if you don't even give yourself the right to hope, what do you live for? Hope is available to all. You need to find the way of making dreams into into reality. Anyone can do it if they are focused and never give up. Okay, so Tom, these all sound uh, these are well meaning, and and I hear you guys. You know, you were attesting to some aspects of that, and Zig was a huge proponent of just doing it and making it happen. But we also know that in the reality of life, uh, is uh, we can sometimes oversimplify the truth and the effort and the challenge of hope. What do you think, Tom?
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, even campaign slogans will have that big hope in there, right? Uh, We all want hope. And in fact, if you go out, this was one of dad's principles, something like 95% of the world is hungry for hope and encouragement, right? The other 5% are on drugs, I think, but we all all want hope and encouragement. It's what we live for. And so when I see something like anti-hope, I always smile because what they're really saying is, hey, wait a second, there's got to be an underpinning that makes hope possible. And we know that and we teach that because somebody who doesn't have hope won't take action. And that's why that comment about hope is a verb, you know, it's an action with something we've got to do. And it's and it, to me, it's kind of like when you want to go out and work out, right? You you're not in the mood. I mean, the last thing in the world, it's been a long day. I'm tired. I just want to go watch the TV But you know your discipline says, your little voice says, hey, you need to go work out. Well, if you go work out anyway, then the feeling is going to change, right? 10 or 15 minutes into that run, the door start flowing, you start doing it. So we've got to recognize that sometimes we do the action even though we don't feel like it. And so that's where I see that connection between hope is an action, right? But we've got to then say, wait a second, if I do certain things, That's going to cause certain things to happen. And so when we go to the anti-hope statement, it's kind of like this. Can you do something to make your life worse right now? I mean, could you get pliers and just pull your fingernails out? Of course you can. Would that make things worse? Absolutely it would. I mean, who would do that? That's crazy. Well, couldn't you do something to make your life better? I mean, could you have a pure glass of water and take a nice walk and maybe write a love note to somebody you care about? I mean, all those things will make your life better. And so I think we got to realize that hope is that idea that something powerful and positive is going to happen. But until we take action to do it, it's not going to happen. Hope is something we've got to nurture. And when we're the right kind of person doing the right things, hope is much more likely to happen.
3: Well, I, and I'm the only one that knows the upcoming questions, but folks, I want you to pay attention. We've got some overlapping themes, and we're talking about the same issue. We're talking around hope, what gets in the way of your hope, and we're looking at it at all different angles, trying to find a place that relates to each and every one of us, so listen for these recurring themes. Now, Dad, I'm going to come to one here. Laura Landis Park says, what's in the way of my hope is health challenges, big ones. And as I've talked a few times about on the show, I do some business development for a new type of medical practice. And I see people who are struggling with significant health issues. So I thought I'd, I thought I'd tackle this. And it reminded me for the past, uh, many years, I have led freeagentacademy.com where I helped people uh, guide them to self-employment and, uh, and the membership is closed right now. So for folks going there, just so you know, but, um, Amongst the groups in the Free Agent Academy we talked about, you know, motivation and viable opportunities. One of the primary groups that I put in there was health and wellness. And I think initially people wondered, why is that? Well, it was in working with so many people like I know you have Dad and you too Tom, working with people who want something more. They want to pursue something. And it's usually going to come in addition to what's already happening in their lives. So they're going to go after an idea, go after building something. They need more out of themselves. They need more performance from themselves. And how often does uh, disease, illness, lack of energy, and that that's what takes them out of the game. You know, how many people are saying, gosh, I've got to do more. But at the end of the day, I am just zapped or I'm literally just dealing with something chronic and I cannot get more out of myself. And we have more and more people these days who flat out can't hardly work at all because of chronic illness and disease. I mean, health is a big thing. And then yet when we look at the people who are on stage, the authors, the authorities, the leaders, we often find that they have placed health as a premium in their lives. But I think, Dad and and Tom, I I wonder if people often get A a wrong perspective of that. And they think, you know what? Those folks are investing in their health. They've got a personal trainer. They're going to the gym because they can afford to now. And I think what I have seen is the opposite. No, they've always been doing that because they know that they relied on it to get out of themselves what they needed. Their top performance, as Zig would say, uh, they had to make their health a priority. And so I, I think we have a different paradigm on that. What do you think?
1: Yeah, it's really important. You know, so often I think it's easy to get really focused on just one area of our lives where I want to make a million dollars. I want to build my business. But if you don't take care of the foundational pieces, your health, spiritual vitality, relationships, it undermines any possibilities of real true success as we would define it. I heard one of the young motivational speakers just recently talking about this, and I was really surprised. He's got five points, and the first one was he said, I want you to sleep 50 minutes more every night. That's not something you usually hear. We're hearing about productivity hacks and how you can do more and more, you know, and wean yourself from needing to sleep. That's ridiculous. People who are really at the top of the game recognize the importance of protecting and investing in their health as a component that builds a foundation for ultimate success.
0: Most of today, you will be indoors, likely your home or your office. I am as well. Even with my treks out into the woods, I spend a lot of time inside. And we're gonna take about 20,000 breaths, according to the EPA. which is an additional $84 value. So to get this special offer, go to dot com. Use promo code Kevin, airdoctorpro.com, promo code Kevin. Thankfully, the days of building a business website, then having this massive endeavor to integrate an online store are gone. Today, Shopify has fixed all that. Go to shopify.com slash Kevin to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash Kevin.
2: Families have a lot going
3: on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive help supplements for everyone four and up like delicious lolly focus pops or lolly mellow pops for kids. And for parents, try three new brainy chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Yeah, you know, I'll I'll, I'll, uh, just to continue on that too. I mean, I think we also have a wrong perspective that our brains work separate from the rest of us, that we can be in ill health, but we can sit down and think well. And it's another myth I think that we fall into. And folks, if your you know if your lungs are slow and labored, if your legs are slow and labored, if your body is not doing well, your brain's not going to be doing uh, a lot better either. You're missing out on what you could get out of yourself. And that is a again, I think something that we miss. We think that we can. Uh, reminds me of you know Jabba the Hutt back in Star Wars that you can sit there a- in a lump and yet think with clarity and with the most efficiency that you could get out. It's a, we're a whole, we're a whole body.
1: We are indeed. You know, I, I take naps most afternoons, no apologies at all. I just listen to my body and taking a little nap re-energizes me. So I have more energy at four o'clock in the afternoon than most people do. And I see people who try to push through, you know, and even brag about that. We brag about how busy we are and just going to push through. Well, if you aren't really rested, I mean, it's effectively the same as being drunk in terms of how you, how you perform. I don't want that. I want to be able to feel energetic, protect that and be able to maximize then success when I'm
2: really focused on doing things that matter.
3: All right. Quit stepping on my toes. All right, Tom. <laughs>
2: <laughs> all right. So it just reminds me, we just had a triple crown winner, you know, in the Kentucky Derby and all the races. What was the name of that horse? Do you remember the name?
3: I don't uh, Pharaoh, something Pharaoh, something Pharaoh, American okay. Pharaoh, something like that.
2: So here's a great illustration. Imagine the owner of that horse came and gave that horse to you. And you're preparing it for the next race. Would you keep it up to two o'clock in the morning, feeding it junk food, letting it smoke cigarettes and drink beer, watching TV? <laughs> Sounds like
3: fun. no, but it'd be a funny test. Yeah, yeah but... I would.
2: No, you wouldn't. So, you know, what is that horse worth? 50 million, 100 million? Oh, what yeah. is your body worth? A billion, two billion? I mean, if somebody came to you and said, you know, I just want your brain, how much, what are you going to sell it for? It's crazy when you think about what we do to ourselves, but the value that it has.
3: Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, back to, to Laura's question, boy, we're, we're sure not discounting. Yeah, health, big deal. We're just, uh, I think, exacerbating the reality. We've got to make it a priority because you're sure right. You can get, way, get in the way of your hope.
2: And let's say you do have a chronic illness. Uh, Let's say you do have a disability. Maybe you've been injured. I think health is also an attitude. And the most powerful, inspirational, effective people I've ever seen are the ones who have that kind of a circumstance and do things that need to be done anyway. Mm. And they do it with the right approach and the right attitude. And for some reason, when you see somebody going through extreme pain, but they love others anyway, they serve anyway, they do extra things anyway, the ripple effect that creates a legacy is incredible. So it's hard to say to yourself, I'm you know, I've got this situation, I'm gonna make the best of it. But what's the alternative? It's worse. It's better to say this is a fact. There's nothing I can change about this fact. But what I can do is to the best of my ability, control my attitude, feed my attitude so that I can make a difference in the world.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Gosh, we could – I could stick on that one for a while. But uh, we've got some other – Great comments to address here. Before we do, speaking of the show and the value here and the fact that nobody's paying for it, we are grateful today uh, for Zip Recruiters. I'm going to make a call out to business owners. Uh, You know you're only as good as the people you hire, which is why Ziggler is the rock star business it is. I mean, the people at Ziggler believe in the mission and their devotion is what makes Ziggler the success it is. However... When you do need new people, the process of finding quality candidates is about as enjoyable as a root canal, especially when you're short-staffed and you need a spot filled now. So ZipRecruiter allows you to post uh, up to uh, 100-plus job sites with one single click. Just post once within 24 hours. You can watch your candidates roll into ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use interface, plus be instantly matched to candidates from over 4 million resumes. Uh, ZipRecruiter has been used by over 400,000 businesses, and you can try it right now for free. So you can uh, try ZipRecruiter to quickly find your perfect candidate. You can do it right now for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Ziggler. At ZipRecruiter.com slash Ziggler, and you can try it for free. So thank you to ZipRecruiter today. So, hey, next question here, uh, or comment, I should say, Craig Mulkey. He says, what comes in the way, again, of his hope? Previous commitments seem to get in the way of future dreams and goals. Working the nine to five and staying focused on the goals at hand instead of dreaming and hoping for more. I hope I, he says, I hope I didn't miss the point here. It's just something I've been working on. And man, Craig, I I think you nailed a primary issue for really everyone. So dad, all the years, and I witnessed this all the years for you of marriage and kids and homes and business and ups and downs. And I mean, you've got to relate to just the busyness and sometimes burden of life. Even a grateful life can get in the way of hope and hoping for more.
1: Well, that, that's a great time to insert. I know the focus of the Ziegler organization over the years. I mean, you you have one, of, Kevin, you have one of the original leather-bound goal planners. I sure do. Yeah. And, I, and I certainly learned a lot from Zig about goal planning. It's, at, it's such an instrumental part in my life. And what that means is I want to identify what do I want my life to be like five years from now first. Then I back up and look at are the decisions I'm making today m- making deposits of success in where I want to be five years from now. So y- you can't get locked into commitments, for what you're doing right now, if they don't tie in with where you want to be five years from now. So I'm always looking ahead and then back into what I'm doing now. And it, it helps me from getting trapped in just the urgency and busyness of doing what I'm doing right now. You know, we all, th- we know the old saying, you know, good is the enemy of the best. And that's really true. Sometimes it works against us when things are going pretty good. And all of a sudden a year goes by, three years go by, and we're just kind of creating our own version of Groundhog Day where every day is the same, but it's okay. I don't want to do that. I want to keep looking at what do I need to change? Everything I do, even in my business right now, is on the bubble. It always is because I'm looking at, does this really fit in taking me where I want to be? So I, having that long-term perspective is one of the biggest keys for people who ultimately end up very successful. Wow.
2: Our our business coach uh, that we work with, Howard Partridge, who works with our uh, business owners that we work with, has a quote that I love it. It's in the Born to Win book. The only reason your business exists, and you could put in there your career or what you do, the only reason your business exists is to be a vehicle to help you achieve your life goals. So the key is what's your life goal and what are you doing? And what's the vehicle that's helping you get there? That's it.
3: Well, okay, Kent, again, we, you know, we always come back to goals and I think there's different way to look at goals, your dreams, your aspirations. And in this sense, you're saying, no, it's it's your guide though too. This is your rudder to keep you on track. Well, hey, so let's let's jump into another one here. Tammy Joy Blair says, I don't know where to begin to get what I hope for. And she's followed uh, or supported, I should say, by Kevin Logan. Inspirational quotes sound good, but there's something else missing. An unknown formula on how to make it physically work. So, Tom, to me, this felt like an aspect of birthing hope. I mean, it's one thing to grow hope and steer hope. I think we can we can easily get excited talking about that. But when hope really doesn't exist, how do you – maybe not even birth it uh, because first it has to just be planted. Tom?
2: I think it's John Maxwell who said when there's power in the present, there's hope in the future. Mm-hmm. And so to to birth hope, we have to take control of our present. We have to – sit down and determine the things that we're going to do that are going to improve our lot in life, the physical, the mental, the spiritual, those things that we can work on every single day. We can get in shape. We can go out and find and develop the right kind of friendships. We, we can read the right kind of books. We can associate with the right kind of people. And when we start making our present powerful, then this glimmer of hope starts rising because if I can have a difference now, then the, the hope in the future seems possible. The other piece of that is, especially when I talk to a lot of and they're wrapped up in making sure they fulfill the purpose of their life and they don't want to get it wrong. I mean, what if we think the purpose of our life is X and we spend our life going for it and then at the end of our life, we realize it was really Y. And so what happens is there's this paralysis that happens. Well, I can't claim that as my purpose. Because what if I'm wrong? And so I think if you instead, and I learned this from from Joel Boggess, I think if you you focus on what your passion is, right, because I think we have a passion for a reason. God put a passion in our life for a reason. When we focus on our passion, that passion will lead us to our purpose. And so then when you say, okay, these are the actions that I can take right now that's going to make my life better, and we start figuring out what our passion is, that gives us direction. So power and the pres- presence with a direction towards our passion, all of a sudden, hope is going to spring out of those two things.
3: Okay, we've gone through an incredible umbrella of uh, of statements here, of, of perspectives on hope. And guys, I want to put us all in the in the hot seat to address one that I uh, it's a it's a biggie. It's the biggest. So we're going to culminate with this one. All right, Erica Rogers says, "What gets in the way of her hope? Fear. That's it. She was a one-word post. Right after her, Esteban Gutierrez says, "Fear of rejection." Then Amber Marquez, fear, fear, and mo- more fear. Dad, we'll start off with you. I mean, this has got to be top of the list for what is in the way of your hope. Talk to us about fear.
1: Well, fear implies, though, that the safest thing to do is just hunker down and do nothing. Uh, for me, I've just, I think I've learned over the years, you know, listening to Ziegler tapes and other people over the years, I've learned that action cures fear. So I'm going to jump in the game immediately, no matter what. And to me, the fear of missing something big is greater than the fear of making a failure. So I'm not afraid of failure because I learned from that. I don't think there's any way to get to what we would call success without going through failure. So I don't fear it. Like I see a lot of people do it. They think the safe thing to do, you know, fear just kind of backs them into a corner and the safe thing to do is to do nothing. Well, that that's going to lead to mediocrity. It's not going to lead to anything great. So, when, when other people are talking about fear, a lot of times I don't understand it. It's like, you know, you could be fearful to get in your car tomorrow morning because you might have an accident going to work. But does it really make sense just to stay home and look at the blank walls because that fear is holding you back? So there's fear realistically connected with anything that we could do. So I kind of erase that as a barrier even when I think about really big goals. I mean, I think about something even like um, – Last year, I started a mastermind. Okay, so I invited, I wanted to have 48 people in my mastermind. Well, there was a big chance that that wouldn't work, that the people would think it doesn't have the kind of value that I thought it would. I put a a monthly fee connected with that that's pretty stout, and there was a good chance that that wouldn't work. But when I looked at that, what if it didn't? It wasn't going to stop me. It wasn't the end of the world. It was just something I was going to try. So I always am looking for those things that I'm going to try that are even big goals. Fear doesn't stop me. And again, the fear of missing something big is greater in my mind than the fear of failure in the small things.
2: Yeah. You know, the, the, I heard dad from the stage say many times, you know, fear stands for false evidence appearing real. And so we, we, We manifest in our thinking what we think is going to happen. We project what's going to happen. And for most of us, it's natural to think something negative is going to happen. I was working with a salesperson. Well, they were also a business owner, salesperson, and they were struggling in their revenue. And the suggestion said, well, why don't you call 25 prospects in this area and let them know about your new service? And the response was, well, what if they don't like it? They're going to say no. And the answer was, well, how much business are you going to get if you don't call any of them? Right. One's guaranteed failure, zero. The other one increases the odds of success. So we've got to go with the odds. We also talk about, you've got to put, um, when you have a process process takes pressure off the person. And so let's say your fear is, well, what if I write a book and nobody buys it? Right? I mean, we're going to spend all our time creating it. Don't think that way. Break the book into 10 processes. Okay, I've got to come up with the ideas. I've got to get the outline. i got to develop the chapters. i got to write the chapters. I've got to, you know, figure out how this. And what you do is you set deadlines for each piece. And none of those individual steps have a lot of fear in it. And then all of a sudden the book's done. And guess what? In the process of getting the book done, maybe 100 people have taken a look at it, your friends, your relatives. And so don't analyze the end result in a negative way because it's never realistic. What you've got to do is say, what well, what could happen that's positive, And you change your mental think, your self-talk to, hey, you know what? I can't control the end. It's like in bowling. This is in the book Born to Win. Once you let the ball go, you have no more control over it until it hits the pins, right? All you can do is work on your grip, work on your stance, work on your steps, work on your backswing, work on your release. That's all you can do, and that's all we're supposed to do. That's it. All we can do is work on everything until it's released. So many things in life, that's what we get bogged down to. We worry about what happens after it's released, We can't worry about that. That's none of our business. That's between everything else. But we can make sure everything else is in place before we get there.
3: Well, guys, um, that is incredibly rich. Um, I think we'll end off there. And, folks, if you hear this and it it drums things up and you've got uh, more questions on that, use Facebook. That's where we got these comments. Use that. And we're having more and more discussions there at the Ziegler Facebook fan page with three and a half million folks that are fans of Ziggler and folks, I want to, uh, well, first off, uh, Tom and dad, thank you guys for offering your, your wisdom, your experience, your heart in this. And then folks, all you listening, I want to thank you and thank you guys on Facebook. Thanks for your heartfelt comments. Um, you really made the show and we're grateful and we will be back with you in the next show tom you got something yes i got one more thing guys i have
2: to come clean uh i listen to dan miller's podcast <laughs> and dan, of course it's honor having you on here I, li- I read your books uh he's been a huge supporter of me uh through the years and he makes a difference so if you like what he said you need to check him out more well thanks tom i appreciate that
3: all right. Well, there you go. Yeah. Speaking of that, yeah. Go look for the 48 days podcast. You got to add that if you don't already have it, which you probably do, but if not add that to your listening pleasure there. All right, folks. Thanks. We'll be back with you in the next show.
2: Thanks for tuning into the Ziggler show. Sign up for new show alerts at ZigglerShow.com. You can have everything in life you want if you'll just help enough other people get what they want.